This is George Newbern, the voice of Superman, and you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. Goodbye, Superman. Hello, power. I'm going to flatten this whole city. They have to be stopped. It ends today without a single loss of life. It's a bit late for that. Superman versus the Elite. Welcome, everyone, to the DCAU Review, episode 258. I am Liam, and with me, as he always is, is Cal. Cal, it's the fifth Saturday of the month of April, at least when we originally recorded this and and dropped it in April of 2023. And uh, the fifth Saturday months always get uh, get a little trip around the multiverse. And uh, and we have a pretty exciting one, uh, not only an Elseworlds review, but one that helps uh, celebrate the uh, the 85th anniversary of uh, Big Blue himself. That is correct. Yeah, we wanted to uh, to celebrate along with the rest of the world. We just passed that big celebration. It was a it was a wonderful day. You know, there's not a lot, too many bright sunny days on Twitter that you can just sit back <laughs> and enjoy. But that was really fun because they had all these different creators and and uh, artists and people that have written for Superman and different various types of media, all celebrating the man of steel, uh, the, the boy scout, uh, the man of tomorrow, <laughs> whichever you want to call him. It, uh, it was, a, it was a big old love fest for, uh, for the original superhero uh, celebrating those 85 years uh, since his original debut in action comics, number one, but uh, yes, today our trip to the multiverse takes us to the DC animated movie universe, but not the one that is like the main focal point of a whole <laughs> bunch of movies that we have dubbed the Tuckerverse. It's just one of those direct-to-video uh, feature films that uh, that DC animation has done since uh, since I guess the early or the late aughts. I guess they started mm-hmm. doing these. Uh, so this one in particular is what we're covering today is also based on the 775th issue of Superman Action Comics, as we'll talk about in just a moment here. But yeah, we are covering Superman versus the Elite, which uh, shares a, a, a couple of uh, pieces of DNA with the DCAU, as we'll talk about as we go mm-hmm. through here. But uh, yeah, it is an interesting, interesting topic i'd say it's still relevant a lot of a lot of relevant topics to discuss despite the issue being released uh, a couple decades ago yeah we'll certainly get into that as we talk about plot in a moment here a lot of themes i think similar not not coming at it from the same slant but similar to what we've talked recently on our show about in some of the uh, the J- jlu episodes we've covered recently about you know the role of a of a character like superman in a in a more sort of modern quote unquote realistic world and and that sort of thing so we'll certainly get into that um and uh, before we do cal of course uh, as always i must hit the, hit our listeners with the one and only official imdb synopsis for this week's movie superman versus the elite that is right, Liam. And of course, this movie was originally released direct to video here in the United States, at least on June the 12th, 
2012, meaning we are coming up on the 11 year anniversary of this episode's release or this movie's release rather. And uh, of course, our official IMDb synopsis is brought to you by the pod tower. Head over to youtube.com slash the pod tower and you can check out our entire catalog of Elseworlds episodes, including episodes of different cartoon series and other animated films. We've covered Batman uh, under the red hood. We've covered things like Batman, the brave and the bold and, uh, and some some of those DC animated movies that we've that we've talked about and mentioned earlier mm-hmm. and some Young Justice that uh, we've covered a whole smorgasbord of of DC animation in those Elseworlds months. So if you're interested in checking out some of those episodes, you can s- watch them or hear them over at YouTube.com slash the pod tower. Not only do you get great content from us, but some. Uh, fantastic content from our friends at Watchtower Database and Tim Talk as well. The only at youtube.com slash the pod tower. That's right. So this is the synopsis for Superman versus the Elite, which was written by Joe Kelly and directed by Michael Chang with music by Robert J. Krull and animation by Telecom Animation Film Company based on Action Comics number 775 by Joe Kelly and with art by Doug Monkey and Lieber Mayo. And that synopsis reads as such. The Man of Steel finds himself outshone by a new team of ruthless superheroes who hold his idealism in contempt. Mm, okay. I think that's a, that's, that's a bare bones, uh, but it's, it's a good elevator pitch for this yeah. movie, I think. Absolutely it is. And I think before we get into our synopsis, uh, as we tend to on these more long form feature length films, we're not going to hit every beat by beat as we tend to do Mm -hmm. with the episodes, because that would likely end in a episode that went over two hours or more. (laughs) So we are just going to sort of bird's eye view a lot of the plot here for the episode. But maybe before we do that, we just briefly touch on the fact that this was uh, as we've already mentioned, and you mentioned in the synopsis, a uh, an issue of Action Comics that came out in 2001, uh, written by Joe Kelly, as you mentioned. And uh, so this certainly uh, is interesting that they decided to take a single issue of a comic that did not, it mm-hmm. didn't, it, yeah, it's it's like a, it's a one and done self-contained issue. And they said, you know what, we're going to turn this story into an, an hour and 20 minute feature length film. Um, they, uh, they definitely had to, had to pad the runtime a little bit, I'd say. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've, uh, we've never reviewed the, uh, the somewhat infamous killing joke, uh, 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 adaptation, but I know that's a similar critique. A lot of folks had for that one was that, that there just wasn't enough to adapt into a movie with that, when it came to that source material. And uh, we can certainly get into that. As you said, Cal, we're not going to go beat by beat. So if you haven't watched this movie recently, it might be worth, uh, if you have the time to to check it out, Uh, we'll, like we said, we'll be hitting on kind of the the major beats and then sort of discussing the overall themes more than a blow by blow recap. But yes, we, we sort of open up with a, an idealized metropolis superman is superman and lois lane are kind of discussing his role in the world and if if superman's starting to maybe even before the elite show up he's already maybe feeling like he's a little bit cheesy a little bit outdated his sort of his moral sense his uh 
his, his you know his thought process of uh you know stop the bad guys and turn them over to the authorities and are we are we kind of already seeing we're kind of already seeing the cracks in that and a little bit of doubts creeping into his mind well it doesn't help it doesn't help that yeah, Lois is Lois is kind of ribbing him because of this whole bit that they start things off, which is like a, a Superman cartoon within yes. the cartoon world. So they're they're watching a television and Superman apparently has signed on for a uh, for a to use his likeness for this Superman cartoon. And uh, he he finishes up like the Superman character in the cartoon within the cartoon movie says, you know, perhaps this time they'll learn that crime doesn't pay. And then they cut to, to the real Lois and Clark watching these, this uh, in a, in a shop window. And Lois <laughs> is just really giving him the business asking him if he's, has he even ever said that line before? Um, <laughs> but it, it's Superman swears it's for a good cause, right? Maybe this time they'll learn that crime doesn't pay. It never occurred to me that the S stood for silly. It wasn't that bad. When have you ever said crime doesn't pay? Well, you can take the kid out of the cornfield. The producer said it would be inspirational. And who's profiting from all this so-called inspiration? Proceeds from the cartoon go to charity, Lois. And do you get creative input? Did I mention it all goes to charity? Point is, you have to protect your S. The world is always watching Superman. Well, not always. Ooh, a smooth one, farm boy. <laughs> Absolutely. The, the the proceeds of the cartoon are going to charity, so he's uh, he's decided it's worth the uh, the trade off there. But yes, uh, before we can get too much deeper into that sort of philosophical discussion, the Atomic Skull. There's kind of a deep cut uh, villain for you to show up. Uh, and uh, and is uh, wasting no time. We see uh, this is again. This is a, a PG thirteen movie, so there's plenty of on screen deaths and uh, and collateral damage in in this one. And we see him taking his uh, his frustrations out this atomic skull on several uh, civilians before Superman can finally intervene. They have a fight, and uh, eventually Superman's able to overpower him, but certainly not without struggle and. And we almost see this moment after they've had the struggle, after people have died right before his eyes, where after Superman defeats the Atomic Skull, he uh, we, we see the, the fist. It's the Arthur fist clench meme mm-hmm. of uh, Superman. He's being he's like we said, his, his buttons are kind of already being pushed even uh, even before this uh, this group, the elite show up. And that's sort of uh, further stated as uh, he's uh, he's meeting with the U.N. later on. Or I don't know if they say the U.N., but it's yeah, it's the those. U.N. No, it's got the okay. U.N. logo and stuff like that. They okay. don't say the United Nations, but it says U.N. <laughs> but yes, and then there's a the I guess a representative of the United States. He's not the president, I assume, because he's just walking around later with his son by himself. Right. But uh, but uh, some some higher ranking U.S. official is there sort of half interviewing him, asking him sort of rhetorically is uh, is superman the hero we need for the 21st century is it right to uh you know when superman has the power to uh permanently put a stop to somebody like the atomic skull uh should he should he be the one to do it and sort of as they're having this larger friendly discussion and superman is sort of trying to appeal to the good nature that he sees he see he wants to see the best in in the people of, of the earth. He doesn't want to be a, a judge and jury here. He's while he's sort of appealing 
to that good nature, a, a, a shouting match breaks out between uh, the leaders of two countries who are sort of uh, on the brink of a, of a, uh, a, a an, an inter, uh, an inter-country war, a, a sort of civil war in the region. And, uh, and we see that that's, uh, <laughs> that's really escalated in the next scene as there's uh, not only soldiers attacking each other, but then there's just a giant monster. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and we'll talk, like I said, we'll talk about the fight scenes a lot, probably more in uh, in visuals. But here's where we are where we are introduced to our mysterious supergroup known as the Elite, as they uh, they help take Superman down. We have Manchester Black, the leader, who's sort of a has a you know a grab bag of sort of vague psychic power. <laughs> The old telekinesis uh, randomizer. You know what? What do you need the telekinesis to be able to do? Read minds. Got it. He can read minds. Mm-hmm. He can also speak uh, into someone's mind. He can also, you know, affect their brain. He can do all kinds of crazy things. Absolutely. We have a cold cast, who's the sort of the big bruiser of the team, has sort of nuclear another like nuclear powered uh, a guy. There we have. Uh, we have Menagerie, uh, or Pam, as she is known in this movie, uh, <laughs> who may have the most vague powers of all. She just has like weird snakes that come out of her, and also she has wings, and uh, she has she has some some sort of alien reptiles that live in her body, I guess, and come out. Somewhat, to, de- uh, to help I'd her. say demonic. She's got like a demon. Yes, okay. Too her her leech. She's got like leeches that crawl out of her body, and mm-hmm. as we see later, infect people's brains and. I think there's some sort of intimated demonic type possessor in there. And and last but not least, we have the hat, who is this is the mystical member of the team, has uh, all kinds of strange creatures and powers that he can uh, uh, literally pull out of his hat. So uh, <laughs> we have we have the team on the scene and they help Superman uh, defeat this the, these giant sort of biological creatures that have sprung up that are being used as weapon in this, in this civil war and Superman thanks them for their help. And they agree that they'll sort of meet up later to, uh, to find, uh, to learn a little bit more about each other. And it's still very friendly at this point. They're, they're almost sort of starstruck by Superman. If anything, you sure know how to make an entrance. Thanks for the assist. Next time, double check for collateral damage came a little close there. Hello. You're really tall. Don't mind them, Mr. Superman, sir. Big fans. Paralytic with giddiness. So before anyone does anything embarrassing, ta. Wait, who are you? <laughs> yeah, I, I will just add one of the things that they do do touch on is that Superman is sort of um, I would say holding back a little bit as this uh, Pakalastani bioweapon is released. And it, as you mentioned, it's a giant monster bug looking thing. And uh, he initially sort of um, is just kind of punching it and kind of going going about it as if it were a living being. And uh, and Manchester makes sure that he tells him, he said, hey, look, this thing isn't living. So you can take the take the kid gloves off. So it's very, mm-hmm. very well established at that point. Superman uh, then does uses his X-ray vision to see that it is a biomechanical weapon. So he's going to he does make with the uh, with the, the destruction very quickly after that. So uh, that is the one thing that we that we get established here. Superman, as as in most cases and as in most 
not all, thank you, Zack Snyder, but uh, in most <laughs> cases, <laughs> does not kill. Of course, he is. Uh, he's establishing that he is, of course, the, uh, the 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 Baron of Truth, Justice, in the American way. Of course, so um, yeah. So we uh, we do get uh, some uh, some more sort of introductions later on as Superman is formally introduced to this team, the Elite, as he gets there their background and we we get manchester's background we don't really get the background of the other characters but we get sort of this origin story where we learn he was uh, he sort of discovered his powers by accident as a child and he was the son of an abusive alcoholic father who not only uh you know verbally and may have physically abused him he was uh, abusive towards uh, manchester's little sister as well and uh, all of this comes about as they re- retelling stories of how they uh in order to survive they were pickpockets on the street of whatever part of great britain that he's from <laughs> uh you would he, hope manchester right yeah you would think that maybe two on the nose i don't know he's from leeds maybe, i don't know <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe the black is uh, short for blackpool we don't know there you go okay there hey I, I like where your head's at we're just creating the the backstory here <laughs> we don't have so uh yeah so that he was on the street they were survivors and uh in a, a bit where his sister was in mortal danger almost getting hit by a train he was able to use his telekinesis to protect her uh, from that point on he became part of the government's property and they then used him uh until he was able to sort of win his freedom i guess at that point and uh, so he uh, he establishes that, yeah, they they look up to Superman and they see him as a as a hero of theirs. And they're all acting uh, sort of uh, very uh, in awe of him as uh, as we as we kind of move on from there. They're also within like I don't think this is the scene they establish it, but they also have this living spaceship, <laughs> mm-hmm. which was not a bunny of the comic. Yeah, bunny, the the spaceship. So uh, not too shortly after this, uh, as uh, as they return, uh, Superman returns back to Metropolis uh, to see if he can get additional information about this elite group. We uh, we do see that there is a, a another tragedy occurring, and I guess it's also in in England. Is it? In, I think it's in England. Also, it seems mm-hmm. to be across the pond. And uh, there are two subway cars or trains that are stuck in a uh in a in a tunnel that is being attacked there's a terrorist attack that is causing the tunnel to flood uh these two subway trains are going to drown with uh, full of people so superman goes over and attempts to try and do what he can to uh to solve the problem but it's very very apparent very quickly that uh, it's going to be more than a one-man job so just in time, the elite arrive to uh, to lend their support to Superman, and he begins sort of orchestrating how the rescue mission is going to go and imploring them to think outside the box, use their imagination. If they can't simply just teleport people out of the tunnel, what are they going to do? And- Captain, thank God. We have simultaneous attacks at both openings. The trains are trapped inside, filled to capacity. Flooding has begun to... Melt the blockage to slag and drag the lorries out. No time. The superstructure has been compromised. Collapse is imminent. Can you teleport the passengers? Teleport pods back home, mate. We're great kicking the snot out of wankers. But this... This is a test of your imagination. How strong are you? They set off on a pretty unique and interesting way of doing so as Superman has to tunnel below the water 
sort of cut out the uh, the square in which the, the train resides and then lift it up with the help of Manchester. And then Hat uses magic to freeze the water so that they can lend or lay the tunnel back down uh, on uh, right on the, the frozen spot in the water so that people can be rescued. And uh, it's at that time that uh, we see that Manchester has caught up to a couple of the terrorists involved in the attack and begins questioning them, asking them, you know, who they're working for and who's behind it all. And they're not too eager to share this information. And because of that, it's very apparent very quickly that uh, Superman might have his hands full here as Manchester begins to sort of uh, cause their, we see blood appear from behind their eyes out of their nose and ears. So he's doing mm-hmm. something to, uh, to create some, some uh, a mess in their, within their skulls to crush their brains, I suppose. And uh, Superman yells at him to stop that. That's not the way they're not going to, they're not going to be the ones to serve justice. And we we have our first initial sort of butting of heads here. Not bad for a guy who just kicks the snot out of wankers. Well, I'll be damned. We did it. Looks like you guys are going to need a name soon. Guess what we found? Bastards! Manchester! Who put you up to this? Easy, Manchester. Not chatty? Fine! Pakalistani. Tweaked about England's support of Bialya. You're killing her! Stop! Can't just let them get away with it, though, can we? We won't. But not like that. Why the hell not? No less than they deserve. Call this one a win and save the philosophy for the pub, then. Definitely. This team kind of reminds me of like the boys. It's kind of it's kind of like yes. the modern day version of uh, of of this team, the elite. I was going to say, yeah, the um, the uh, the writer of both the film and the comic, Joe Kelly, uh, mentioned, uh, I think, specifically the the authority uh, from Wildstorm was kind of the the big uh, was one of his big uh, mm-hmm. in, uh, big big inspirations for this. And we've talked about the authority, I think a very long time ago when we covered uh, the justice Lords episode, mm-hmm. uh, because that was also kind of the basis for that uh, version of the justice league. Um, but basically just taking that idea of, well, if there were, if there were superpowered people in the real world, would they, you know, have deference to any governing bodies? Would they, you know, would they uh, play by the the rules of the world when no one could stop them from <laughs> from doing otherwise? And right. so this is sort of so introducing a team like that into what is a more sort of more morally black and white world of DC Comics is uh, definitely uh, definitely I think it definitely feels that way. And, and absolutely, I think things like the boys and Invincible and other other you know really popular sort of you know, mega franchises of on, on their own now all kind of can can take a lot of inspiration from that, uh, from this and from, of course, that uh, that original Wildstorm Authority run as well. For sure. Well, it's at this point that uh, as Superman heads back home, uh, suddenly appearing across a worldwide broadcast, thanks to his uh, his little cameras that I couldn't help but think looked exactly like TIE fighters the entire time, <laughs> his little cameras that are broadcasting across uh, the world. 
we learn that Manchester uh, is announcing that the elite are here to stay. He's sort of introducing himself to the public at large and uh, letting them know that they that uh, people that that are the in the underworld, people that are shadow governments and puppets are uh, best be on the lookout because they're going to be dealt with swiftly and lethally. Evening, morning and afternoon to one and all. Wherever you happen to be. Please forgive this brief but important message regarding the safety of the civilized world. How are they doing this? Can you do this? This is a call out to the shadow cabinet. Petty dictators and all-round tossers of the world. You're on notice. We're not bound by lines on a map or political alliances or governing bodies of any kind. We are our own bosses and we have a very simple job. There are the good guys, namely us. And the bad guys, namely anyone who treats anyone else like trash to further their petty aims. We turn bad guys into memories. So mind your manners, lads and lasses, or we'll blow your house down. We're the elite. You asked for us, world. Now you got us. At least they picked a name. Clark? <laughs> See, Dad? That's how you do it. No one's gonna pull something with the elite watching. Everyone likes a shiny new penny. It doesn't mean that... Lois. Get your coat. And, uh... <laughs> this is, uh... This is met with thunderous applause from, uh... From a lot of the people that are apparently watching it. So, they're excited to see, uh... Some, some swift justice handed out... To who they think uh, it is in deserving of it, and uh, yeah, I think uh, I think we know where this is headed coming up next here. Absolutely. So there, uh, at that moment, there seems to be trouble in one of these sort of fiction, fictional warring nations of Bialia, and as Superman goes to investigate, there's a giant sort of blue explosion of energy that hits him as he's flying in, and seems to not only cause uh, quite a bit of distress in the city. Superman as well and as he's sort of trying to get his bearings some of the uh, the invading soldiers uh, look to uh, pull their guns on him and uh, things aren't looking too good for our hero but then the elite comes in uh, even after their declaration of, of don't get in our way they they make a they make a point of they do save Superman's life but they do so by uh, lethally closing of the uh, the soldiers that the guns at him and uh, before Superman can really protest, he uh, he passes out as we find out that it was a a cold cast induced uh, slumber for him. Thanks to this neutrino pulse that he puts out that apparently uh, some sort of nuclear explosion that directly uh, targets neurological function. You know, one of those. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we told you it was a grab bag of smorgasbord of whatever the hell's a cornucor- yes. cornucopia of different uh, different powers. Uh, that, absolutely uh, this young man has absolutely so as uh as superman sort of comes to he's on the aforementioned uh which we we find out is some sort of sentient technology that uh that not only allows the elites to teleport wherever they need to be but also uh gives them an ability to sort of stay out of the uh any sort of prying eyes no satellites not even superman can find them because it's sort of constantly shifting through uh, dimensions and 
as we we sort of find out that uh, that uh, that uh, Manchester Black and and the Hat have also sort of uh, taken away its uh, its free will. It is alive in some way, but it uh, it and it had some sort of emotional uh, intelligence to it. But uh, Black is suppressing that with his powers and perhaps with Hat's magic. So Superman is sort of still recovering from the uh, from the attack and the previous. He's trying to reason with them. He's trying to tell them, tell uh, Black specifically that, you know, they, they can't be judge, jury and executioner. They can't, they can't uh, go down this path. It's too dangerous. It, uh, it won't end well, but Black uh, simply isn't really interested in hearing it. And uh, with before Superman can really uh, directly confront them as he becomes, comes to, uh, he's teleported back to earth. <laughs> and uh, and sort of uh, made to look a, a bit of a fool as he's standing in the middle of a used car lot with a giant inflatable <laughs> Superman, uh, which is a which is a pretty humorous little bit there. And and uh, we get a we get a brief scene of of Clark talking to Pa Kent, who sort of uh, you know tries to reinforce that hey, ultimately Superman stands for the right things, and you just got to stay the course and 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 stick to your guns and stick to your morals and ultimately the uh the this this elite this flavor of the month may have some support now but people will come to their sense senses if you just uh you know if you keep showing them the right way to right way to do things been a lot of talk not much of it good had to put a slap on ben farnsworth on account he said you looked the fool i did pa they sucker punched you sucker teleported technically so even Smallville's rooting for the elite. Well, just loud, angry, and stupid. Come on, it's not that simple. I don't think that I make them feel safe anymore. The way I do things. Clark, when people are scared, they have a tendency to hop on a bandwagon before they see who's driving it. But when they wise up, and believe me, they will, what matters is that you'll be there for them, leading by example, just like always. Truth, justice, and the American way. It ain't broke, so don't fix it. Thanks, Pa. Besides, if those knuckleheads don't quit tugging on your cape, you can always kick their self-righteous asses to kingdom come. That the atomic skull has once again broken out of prison, is going on yet another rampage, which Superman and the elite uh, uh, are, after a great deal of struggle, by both Superman and the elite still working together after their differences. Uh, finally, they're able to stop him. Uh, Cold cast is able to drain the, uh, the nuclear out of the atomic skull. Although in the, uh, in the process, the, the U S official who was sort of supporting Superman and, and his young son are sort of caught in the crossfire and, and, uh, and that official dies and, and the son is sort of becoming more and more of a, a disciple of the elite asks, asks Manchester Black to kill the Atomic Skull in retaliation for the damage that he's caused. And Superman is not quick enough to stop him. And the, uh, the skull, the skull quite literally his head explodes mm-hmm. and, uh, and Superman, uh, Superman throws the first punch here and, uh, and knocks, uh, knocks Black into a wall. Uh, but again, before Chekhov's uh, teleporting a live spaceship, comes back and uh, teleports the they can have the full confrontation uh, and then there's there's sort of one more mini confrontation a few scenes later as this civil war is still escalating and we see uh, fighter jets from one 
city about to bomb a heavily populated area. Superman himself actually intervenes this time and disarms all of the planes and tries to sort of and sort of a that that cool heads can prevail. But as uh, Manchester Black and Cold Cash show up, they uh, they reveal that well things have uh, things have already uh, sort of escalated beyond Superman's control as. While Superman was dealing with these fighter planes and saving innocent lives, other members of the elite were, uh, in fact, killing every single political leader in both countries. And so they've uh, they've sort of made their peace. And it's it's time it's time to end this. It's time for the showdown. Once again, Superman is uh, is pretty overmatched. But before they uh, they decide they're not going to have this final fight here, and Manchester being sort of a, a theatrical sort of cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, is uh, is willing to give some time to get his they have this final showdown and uh, it should be mentioned maybe one or two scenes before this I think we forgot to mention but uh, while uh, while Superman has been dealing with all of these different action sequences and battles with the elite and against the elite uh, Lois has actually had a little side quest where she uh, goes to London to try to learn a little bit more about this Manchester Black and his backstory and uh, a mysterious agent who happens to uh, look and sound an, aw- an awful lot like uh, Manchester Black's supposedly deceased sister uh, gives Lois a, a flash drive with some information and we find out that uh, Manchester Black wasn't quite the uh, the tortured heroic soul that perhaps he let on and that he's always sort of had this dangerous and destructive streak in him and even the uh, sort of using his his uh, powers to give the stroke. And uh, so we, we sort of set up this this finale of uh, Superman going uh, agreeing to sort of have a showdown literally at dawn. We're going to have a showdown and uh, we have these vicious, un- seemingly unstoppable crew against just Superman. And uh, we have actually, I think, maybe my maybe my favorite scene, one of my favorite scenes in the movie and in the book where Lois asks him they're sort of sitting in, in their apartment waiting for uh for the next day to dawn for this final fight and lois just asks him why does it have to be you why can't it be you know they're they know we don't see any other costume heroes in this universe but they are or in this movie but they are alluded to um you know why can't it, why does it have to be you and he says they they didn't call out anyone else when dawn i guess they'll like the drama of that Why do you have to do this? Why can't you call someone else? The elite didn't take the fight to anyone else. They chose me. No, you went after them. They're slaughtering people and laughing about it. Black can punch a hole through a mountain by thinking. The hat tosses around demons like trained birds and Pam... They have to be stopped. I think they can beat you. I'm sorry, but they are willing to go places you won't. And they are so damn strong. I heard a child say that he wanted to be in the elite when he grows up because it would be fun to kill bad guys. Fun to kill. People have to know that there's another way. They have to see that someone believes in humanity strongly enough to... To die for them? Here we are. It's uh, it's fight night or fight morning, I guess. (laughs) And uh, it's time for the final countdown here. 
That's right. And uh, we also, I don't think, touched on it, but public opinion is also, I guess we sort of mentioned it with the the cheers that were given once the elite announced their arrival. But uh, the public opinion has really started to sway in the in the direction of the elite, and, mm-hmm. and they are being received favorably despite their insistence on being violent, being overlords in in deciding uh, who who lives and who dies. There's even a, a report the night before Superman is due to face the elite where they talk about how uh, despite public uh, public denouncing of the actual actions by the elite that you know there are polls that reveal that uh, a lot of people are in support of the way that they handled the killing of both of the uh, both of the governments and that the government that you know the the uh, that it should be handled between the two of them and those countries can go figure things out and the world's a better place because of the, uh, because of the actions of the elite. So uh, things are shifting and that plays into that whole idea of, you know, is Superman still relevant? Is Superman still, is, Mm -hmm. is he still, is his goal of keeping sort of the straight and narrow path of, of working towards peace and seeing good in people is, is that all, worth it and uh is it still relevant today is there still a place for that or has has everyone become so cynical and so disengaged that they you know that they kind of see violence and and the uh you know people that that make swift decisions through violence as the only uh as the, as the righteous ones i guess so uh yes we do get uh we we get superman appearing in the middle of metropolis to face the elite but his one last request is that they not face the face him there in metropolis uh, to to avoid as much destruction as possible so uh the elite do indeed honor that <laughs> honor that uh request and bunny transports them to the surface of the moon and uh short of a short of a a bell the uh the match gets started here as uh superman is pretty pretty easily handed uh his his behind pretty quickly as and overmatched as we see the elite working together as a well-oiled machine and unit uh, doing their best to take down Superman, weakening him to the point where um, he is falling before Manchester, who is using his powers to give Superman a seizure. Superman is weakly sort of kneeling before him, blood pouring from his eyes and nose and sort of seizing on the ground. And just uh, just as it appears, Superman is indeed defeated a uh, cold cast comes and uh, Manchester declares that uh, he give the final blow to Superman and that, uh, you know, he he assures them that Superman's days are gone. You know, he's not uh, he's not welcome anymore. And the 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 reign of the elite is here to stay. And uh, just in that moment, cold cast hit Superman with a giant blast of electricity. And uh, it appears Superman is uh, is is reduced to rubble at that point, leaving only behind a piece of his cape. And uh, just as the elite begin to celebrate, we uh, we do hear Superman's voice coming out of nowhere. And Right. Who else has business to perform on this shroud before we hang it up? I, for one, should like to scrub I my... I finally get it. Thank you. No friggin' way. Cool it, Hat. Coldcast... Nothing could have. That was like 15 suns exploding in his face. I made the mistake of treating you people like people. No sonar. Can't smell him either. Just scorched air. 
But now, I understand better. I'm getting a tight sphincter here, Chester. Shut your cop! I understand now what the world wants. What it needs. Ow! Something bit me! Bit you? He's poisoned the zoo. The buggers were out. He is supposed to be dead. She's not breathing. Damn it, Chester. She's dead? Bugger me. He's playing it our way. Leave her. Blister the land and flush him out. I can't. Not after a blast like that. Call the ship and get Pam to sickbay. Guys. The world needs people in charge who are willing to put the animals down very batman like scene you know he starts <laughs> using fear and intimidation taking them out one by one as a menagerie suddenly uh, gets hit in the neck with a dart and uh, she passes out and ultimately seems to die as uh, as they can't hear her heartbeat and uh, as they begin looking around uh, they see a giant tornado headed towards them as superman begins to taunt them and say that his eyes have been opened and he sees that in order to to truly defeat the elite he has to embrace the way that they are and embrace violence and death so uh taking them out one by one is the only way to truly defeat them hat begins to uh, attempt to defeat superman with some magic but uh, as he is drawn into the middle of the tornado he loses his breath and is sucked away uh, we learn that cold cast used up all of his powers in the uh, in the blast that he thought killed superman so at that point uh, we also know that Manchester can't see or feel Superman's brain to try and affect him in a negative way. So uh, they teleport at that point. He gets Bunny to teleport them directly back to Earth. And he states that there's, uh, you know, that, that Superman won't fight them there. He's too afraid to kill. And uh, they, uh, they, they feel like in that moment they're safe. But, of course, Superman does fly back to Earth and uh, arrives right then and there taking out cold cast. And then it's just uh just one-on-one -on -one between Manchester and Superman. And despite Manchester's pleas and continued uh, mocking of Superman, uh, Superman does indeed continue to, uh, to fight. There's a, uh, there's some fisticuffs that happen and uh, uh, Manchester, you know, disappears, reappearing and uh, Superman seemingly throws cold cast into orbit. By the way, I forgot that that's how he, uh, <laughs> He gets rid of cold gas. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so the, the battle continues and eventually they're left face to face. Superman, despite being bloody with a bloodshot eye and uh, he's got a newfound sense of embracing this this love of violence and Superman uses his heat vision. But uh, Manchester believes he's blocked it and that it's there's no way that he could uh, it could affect him. But we see that Superman actually lobotomized Manchester by shooting heat vision into his eyeballs. Sure. Mm 
and uh, also lobotomizing the part of his brain that uh, he uses to uh, use his powers. So when he goes to use them, Manchester can no longer uh, use his telekinesis. It's at this point that uh, Manchester uh, tells Superman that, well, at this point, you've lost you've lost and I've won anyway, because the world knows that you're no better than us because you're killing. And that's when Superman unveils and reveals that, in fact, it was all a giant ruse is not only uh, were the people in the city as they looked around and saw destruction. uh, It's revealed that Superman's robots from the Fortress of Solitude were there to support him and kind of be his own super team behind him, protecting individuals from the destruction that was occurring Mm -hmm. around them. But then uh, not only were the citizens of Metropolis safe, but Superman reveals that the rest of the elite were simply transported to the Fortress of Solitude in the midst of the tornado by the previously mentioned robots. They all have headaches, but, uh, you know, they're they're not dead. That's for sure. And uh, the people of Earth at that point are, are sort of I their eyes are opened as this was all broadcast. And we see that uh, maybe the maybe the way of the Superman is the right way as uh, and this way of violence is not the way that should be embraced. So uh, we we do get a, a sort of happy ending as Superman and Lois fly away and uh, he remands the elite. They're going to be taken to a super max prison of some kind. And uh, and they will face justice another day. But uh, we get Superman and Lois flying off into the sunrise. And uh, that is the end of our movie. It's uh, puts a nice little bow on things. Truth, justice in the American way lives. And uh, Superman is indeed still relevant, I'd say. <laughs> Absolutely. So as we begin to wrap up uh, before we give our scores here, I guess just big picture like like we sort of touched on at the beginning this heads into territory that we've talked about in depth not too long ago that being the idea of how does superman fit into the world although interestingly rather than looking at it as we said in the previous movie they're both looking at superman as a metaphor for america to an extent for the u.s mm-hmm. um but in in the case of of the justice league unlimited story arc it's more about what he's doing and the lines he is crossing, whether he means to or not, mm-hmm. he kind of needs to examine himself and reevaluate and not take those those risks, not step over those lines. Whereas this is sort of asking not quite the opposite question, but sort of looking at him in that same way and going, well, but shouldn't he? <laughs> shouldn't he be, you know? punching the atomic's head skull's skull's head off his shoulders right instead of letting him you know turn people into ash right in front of him right. shouldn't he be stepping in when you know political leaders are starving their own people and and causing all of this death and destruction and and i think we come to it at this conclusion which is what that whole final battle is about and we'll certainly talk more about that in visuals in a minute here but it comes to this point where we go, maybe there should be somebody that has that has that role in the world, but it shouldn't be him. Mm-hmm. Like when we when we take a character, a fictional character like Superman and imprint onto him our own inadequacies as a as a species, mm-hmm. it doesn't make him 
to me, it doesn't make him more interesting or more relatable. It makes him terrifying. Mm. It makes him unpleasant to watch. Right. And I think that's what's so great about this story is that you can argue that there should be more more intervention, especially in a fictional world like this where somebody can literally, you know, can crack a planet in half by listening real hard. Mm-hmm. Like when you have people with these, you know, extraordinary abilities and say, yeah, maybe, maybe they sh- maybe he should be more proactive. And we see him be a little bit more proactive as far as like, you know, disarming the planes without without killing a single person. He kind of makes that statement that, hey, maybe I do need to be a little bit more proactive, but I can't there's still certain things that I can't do. All I can be is, is the example. I can be the fireman. I can make sure I can do my best to make sure nobody gets hurt or as few people as possible get hurt, but I can't be the guy who rounds up everybody who sets a fire, you know? Right. And I think that's, and I think that's what makes this story so interesting and what makes the conclusion where we see him, though it turns out to not be true step over that line and how uncomfortable it is where even you know the son of the the man the uh, the u.s official uh is in the streets going but, but it can't be superman can't do this mm-hmm. like we may we may long for a big strong man or or a group of people to salt to quote unquote solve all of our problems through you know and 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 threaten violence against anyone who we we see as a danger but when we put that into action it doesn't it just that type of it doesn't work all right, <laughs> right. Like it, it's i don't know if i'm, if I'm no i i think i look at this particularly well no i i think i i agree with you in the way that a flawed superman or a character with superman's powers that is flawed has been done so much that I think the idea that's what separates Superman from those other characters. That's, that's one point for sure. Yeah. We, we don't need, we don't need another flawed Superman story. Um, We don't need a Superman who's, uh, you know, struggling with being, um, you know, a a good guy. Like we don't, we don't need that. I, I do like the idea that he is, despite the temptation <laughs> that he is set up as, Hey, look, I'm not the guy I could. Yeah. I very well could do all this stuff, but my, right. my belief is in the system or the people that are working within the system to choose good. He has faith in humanity, right? Like that's ultimately right. it's repeated over and over and over again. I think, I think that the, the flaw with that is that in real life, the people that have the most power oftentimes are the people that are the most corrupt or the most (laughs) untrustworthy people that you can imagine. So it is hard for us in, in, in a way to suspend disbelief and say, how could the person with the most power being Superman, not embrace that role and ultimately turn, you know, in some way, use that power for evil. It 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 is difficult, a difficult concept, I think, for us to wrap our head around because it is so such an alien idea. Even the most yeah. revered, loved, 
politician, le- world leader, uh, you know, whatever, whatever figure you want to look at. Right. Celebrities, athletes, Celebr- any of it. Exactly. Are there is a deeply flawed they're they're deeply flawed individuals like they mm-hmm. they have they have uh the ability to to use whatever gifts they've been given to hopefully push uh more good than bad but but we know that they're still they're still flawed individuals so i think what maybe what you're getting at or what you're what's communicating there is yes it is an interesting idea that he is so and i think this is what we've talked about over the last 257 prior episodes <laughs> whenever we've had the opportunity to talk about superman and why you love love the character especially the classic uh portrayal of superman is that he is just at his core he is inherently good and yeah. there are there are very few examples that we can look to uh, in in t- especially in today, whether it's political, uh, in celebrity culture, in athlete, influencer, whatever you want to look at, where you can look at somebody and say that person is inherently good because every day there is a story that comes about, out about the person that you think is the best person <laughs> in the world or the nicest or least flawed person. And you're like, man, that is a really crappy thing. Or that is a really bad thing. All So I, I mean, it leads back to the idea of Superman as a Christ like figure. You know, you have a person that is a, that is a, that is perfect. That is unable, that, that has no flaws, that is selfless, that, that embraces peace and, uh, you know, love of love of your fellow man and a desire to, uphold the right you know things that are right and fight for the uh for the underprivileged and and all those things like so i i think because of just the nature of the world it is very difficult to to marry those two concepts together and not think that the you know the best person that ever existed would not somehow grab this power and and be holding to it and and use it for their own personal gain i love that 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 is who superman is and i think it fits Mm -hmm. into that religious christ type uh you know imagery that that superman Mm -hmm. so often portrays but i it is it is often alien because we we don't have that in human beings or a a physical example to to represent that if that makes sense yeah i i think you really kind of hit a nail on your head and you know like like those you know those powerful religious figures like like jesus like moses we see him tempted to go the other way we see the forces of the world you know beating down on him and literally in this case he gets beat up a lot in this (laughs) but uh but uh you know we see and he, you know, we see, like we said, the, the, you know, we see the the fist clenching. We see the kind of the anger burning in his eyes. We see feeling like I could just, I could just go over that line for a second, and and I could solve so much. I could do so much, but knowing he wouldn't be this aspirational figure that that people have loved for. 85 years he wouldn't be 
you know, he wouldn't be the champion of the oppressed, one of his original monikers when he was created by, you know, two Jewish men in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. Like he he'd be the oppressor. Right. Precisely. And I think that's and I think that's why this story is is so wonderful and is such a fun. Like I said, I think it's fun to to test him. I think it's fun to push him to that edge. But it's ultimately to me why I find the real the quote unquote real the real superman uh so much more interesting than the boys or invincible or some of those more flawed takes not that those you know, you know don't have their own merits and aren't in their own but to me it's, it's much more interesting to me as you said cal to have a character who has this ability and chooses to use it only <laughs> to help people and only to set an example rather than you know set set laws himself and uh and so yeah i think i think overall as we actually get into now that we've sort of touched on the larger ideals i will say as we mentioned at the start this was an adaptation of a single issue of a comic Mm -hmm. um i think there are pacing a little bit of a pacing issue or not pacing necessarily but i think i feel like we we hit the same beats over and over again to an extent Mm -hmm. like there's three or four scenes in a row where, where Superman and the elite kind of have the same art and they almost come to blows or maybe even a punch is thrown, but then we back off. And, and like I said, there isn't, that isn't to say it isn't, it isn't still a, an enjoyable watch, but I do think in this example, this story works better on the page maybe than it does as a movie, or at least with, with the way it was laid out here where we just sort of have, you know, we have a little bit of a feeling out process where they're working together and, and maybe he thinks he can kind of mentor them and and bring them into the fold as, as you know, regular old DC Comics heroes. And then as the, the trust sort of very quickly breaks down, we just see it. Like I said, I feel I feel like we just we hit some of the same beats. And then once it feels like it's ready, like I said, after after the fight with Atomic Skull, it feels like, OK, we're ready for this final showdown now we have to do the one more bit with the, with the planes in the middle, which felt, which kind of again reinforces what we've already sort of established, which is that they're, they're willing to kill and they want to be judge, jury and executioner. And he is, he is now firmly standing, not just, he's not just condemning them. He's now standing in opposition to him. So it feels like there's like a, an, at least an extra 10, 10 minutes or so that maybe we, we don't need, but then it's it's maybe not long enough to be a movie. So that might be again, that might be more of the the stresses of just the format this was adapted into, rather than a, a you know I wouldn't say any of these scenes on their own are bad, at least not in my opinion. But it does feel like once like we get the initial meeting, we get a little bit of the philosophical con- conflict, then we get the physical conflict. It's time, and then we do a little bit more meandering, and then we get the the right. big bombastic finale. Right. No, I, I I don't disagree with you, and it's interesting that we've this is uh is this the, probably the second or third full length movie that we've covered from the at least uh, from the from the direct to video movies, and we had the exact mm-hmm. opposite complaint about the under the red hood movie, which was, it was based on so many issues of the comic and they felt, it felt like <laughs> they decided to, that every single plot point from that 
12 or whatever it was, 13 issue run had to be jammed into this movie where it just created such so many things that felt like, hey, this could have been cut. This didn't need to be involved. You could have left this part out. Maybe you smooth this part over. Maybe you combine these two things. It would have mm-hmm. been it. And and that was our our main complaint when we reviewed that movie was it, it just felt so jam packed. This it. It is an hour and 15 minutes or something like that. So it is not a long runtime necessarily, but it it definitely does feel like they're um, the it's action heavy. It feels like at times, though, it was like, what is the point of this scene other than to continue to drive home the same point that we've established? So I did like some of the beats that kind of broke things up. I thought the Smallville scene with him talking uh, with, you know, with Ma and Pa Kent uh, was great. And that was taken directly from the issue as well. But, you know, Mm -hmm. some of the other stuff that was that was kind of established or that that was thrown in there to really kind of drive home the idea that Superman had lost faith from the public. They added the, you know, the UN official storyline and his son Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, atomic skull was also not in the original issue. So we get, get him brought in. So that's another added things. Um, As we mentioned, I think the, the story of the, the teleporting bunny character was not in the original thing so yeah that's that's a holdover i think from the authority comic too they have like a super secret dimensional shifting uh fortress as well but in the comic it just kind of yeah it shows up once or twice but it doesn't they don't talk about it being like this sentient being and all that Right. Which again, I mean, I get it. You gotta, you have to, you have to make this worth it. It can't be a 45 minute movie that you're, that (laughs) charge whatever it was at the time, $20 or whatever it was when it came out on video. So you had to, you had to make it worth, uh, worth the while, but yeah, I, I think overall, I, I do like the concept. You know, I, I do like the fact that at the end of the day, it, it is relative to what we see nowadays. I mean, how many times have we talked about is the general conjecture of like dark gritty is just so overdone in, in, in superhero movies. Now you could argue that the, the latest Batman movie was dark and gritty in some ways, but I, I think mm-hmm. that they also addressed that within that own, the own, the own movie, but Batman also is a dark gritty superhero. So we, we recognize that for certain things, the tone should, that should be, but it with our Superman with Superman, it should be lighter. It should be less heavy. It should be less dark mm-hmm. um, to kind of convey those those character traits. So I do like that it's relevant in that way. I do like that it does touch on some of the things, you know, the the ideas of, you know, the U.S. being the good guys and to violence is the way that we establish that we're the good guys. And, um, you know, there's some certainly some political that the, the media stifling different uh, pushing narratives. I thought that I was like, mm-hmm. man, this this could be played today. This media choosing to push one narrative of, of the elite being the heroes. Uh, I thought that was interesting. But uh, yeah, there there's certainly lots of relative good things that touched on. Some of it has been touched on to the point of probably um, you know, being overdone a little bit, but again, this was 10 years ago. This is before Batman V Superman. This is before the entire Snyderverse existed. And, uh, a lot of the critique I feel like has come from that. So prior to the boys, prior to invincible, all that stuff being more in the mainstream. So 
Um, it does, it does a fine job. I think of balancing what it had to do again. I love the idea of trying a stab at a, at an important story like this, that was, you know, rather than just nailing one of the hits, because that seems to be one of the things mm-hmm. that people just expect is that they're just going to cover all the hits. We're going to do hush. We're going to do Superman doomsday. We're going to do blackest night. We're going to do under the red hood. I don't think you would have picked this issue out of probably thousands of ideas before, you know, they decided to go with it. So the fact that they picked a random issue or a, 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 a memorable but maybe not top tier issue of of superman to to turn into the film is certainly commendable um i ended up giving it a six out of ten for the plot um there are points that i love but it there are periods as we talked about that just feel like fluff and runtime padding um (laughs) so yeah that's why i ended up with a six out of ten what about you yeah i went just one point higher i went seven out of ten like i said i i like I like the the overall ideals of this. I love the comic. I genuinely it's uh, by the way, it's it's a free issue on the wonderful DC <laughs> Universe app if you're wow. in the uh, in here in the US right now. So you could uh, you could read this digitally for free or perhaps head to your local comic store and then pick up a used copy as well. But I really do recommend people read the the issue because I think as a standalone comic book it's it's absolutely fantastic. Um, but yeah, for, for all the reasons we've covered, I, I love the, I love what it does. I love an examination of Superman like this, especially when it has the resolution that it does. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, uh, like I said, a little, I think we got maybe, uh, take a couple, uh, couple, uh, too many left turns in the middle of the movie, just kind of just spinning our wheels before we, we get it back on track for the finale. So, uh, but uh, still, I think a pretty enjoyable time, still a lot to sink your teeth into, especially from as we've just spent quite a while talking about the sort of the philosophical side of Superman and these characters that we all love so much. And uh, from there, Cal, we will move into the visual and animation section of our show. Once again, uh, this was uh, this piece was directed by Michael Chang, and uh, the animation was provided by Telecom Animation Film. Um, so we have some, uh, some pretty, it's a, it's a new world. Like we said, just a new, completely new character designs done for this movie. Uh, John Suzuki was lead character designer on this show has worked as a character designer on, uh, quite a few other projects, including, uh, animated shows like teen Titans and, uh, several of the other, uh, direct to, uh, video animated films, uh, overall, what, what, what stands out to you about the, uh, the look of this particular film? It's certainly unique. I don't think I don't think it it truly captures and well, it doesn't really capture what the original issue looked like. It reminded mm. me more of a of modern day Frank Miller drawings than <laughs> than anything. Um, just a little, very wide. <laughs> yes, he's tends to have a large chin. There's times where he looks just like big and hulking, and I think compared to what we're used to modern day Superman, while he's tends to be muscular, maybe in, in the, uh, in the animated portrayals of the man of steel, I will say that this one made him a, a hulking man of steel for sure. He's got broad shoulders, big chest, big chin, big eyes. Uh, everybody is, is a uh, big mouth, big teeth. Like he's just big, big guy, um, big blue, I guess. So, yeah, I think I think initially 
I was concerned that it would be distracting, but I think because it's a, it's an hour and 12 minutes, you get used to it very quickly. There is certainly some Eastern animation influence in some, the way that some of the characters look Lois, I would say um, tends to have more of an Eastern animation influence. Um, But I, I think overall, everybody, everybody looks interesting and and is eye-catching and you settle into things you know as as it goes on i'd say there's a couple of scenes where superman looks even more sort of cartoonish or caricature-ish in some of the scenes he's his features are really exaggerated and you get a lot of Mm close-ups of his face especially in the in some of the fight scenes um but i again at that yeah i imagine with a full-length full length feature film that you have, you know, different storyboard artists and and maybe different uh, parts of the, the animation studio doing, doing different parts. So it may, that may have led to some of the inconsistency and in, in how the characters looked from part to part. But uh, yeah, I think overall, everybody looks interesting. The elite um, I'll say Manchester black certainly lines up with the way that he looks in the comic, uh, as far as having the purple hair and the union Jack shirt and the black overcoat and all of that, um, cold cast, uh, a little bit different. He looks a little bit more like, uh, what's the, what's the teen Titans villain that works with, uh, what's his name? Will not wildebeest. What's his name? Um, blanket on it. Mammoth mammoth. Yeah. 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 Reminded me more of like mammoth. Like he's, he's built to be like a big hulking type creature, uh, mm-hmm. despite being a human. So um, hats interesting. You know, there's, there's lots of things that they do with his, his, his character design throughout. And, uh, and menagerie is certainly probably the most visually interesting of all of the, uh, the outside of Manchester black for the, for that team. But um yeah I, I think overall i think i think the design of the of the series while not lining up with how the the artwork for the comic looked ha- has its own style and, and flow and there are a, a lot of of scenes in the in the movie that that were i don't want to use the word breathtaking because that's that seems to be too too uh too too superfluous uh, for, <laughs> or, uh, you know, too cliche to say, but there were, there were a lot of, there were a lot of scenes that were like, man, that scene looks really good. The, the Smallville scene with, with uh, where they're eating the pie on the, the Kent mm-hmm. farm porch, you get this beautiful setting sun and just the way that the, uh, the hues in that scene, the oranges and the reds, the, the way that the, the whole scene is lit is just creates this warmth that goes along with, Pa Kent. Like when you think Pa Kent, you think warmth, you think comfort, you think he's mm-hmm. there to give Superman the advice. And and that's what that whole scene is about. And I think the coloration and the setting and everything and the, the pie that they're eating, all of that just <laughs> feeds into like, this is Superman regrouping. This is Superman getting comforted. And the, all these things kind of uh, are, are what gives the, the most powerful being in the, in the world uh, comfort. It's, it's just this simple type of life and watching the sunset with his parents in, in Smallville, Kansas. But um, yeah, what about you? What did you think about the, uh, the, the way that the, the designs of the, uh, of the characters and the, the way that this whole film was animated? Yeah, I think this definitely like there's certain sequences, especially with um, cold cast that felt like almost they were coming out of Dragon Ball Z or something, maybe because the I mean, the big blue 
energy thing that Superman gets caught in at one point. I was like, I think that's that's there's a term for that in Dragon Ball Z. It's like a spirit bomb, I think. Okay. Okay. I've never seen an episode, but it's it's like a big blue power orb of energy that one of the guys shoots okay. somebody somebody can so, people listening to this are pulling their hair out because i'm getting the lore wrong and i apologize <laughs> uh, but uh but yeah so i fa- definitely felt like there's a lot of eastern animation like a lot of big like energy you know different colored energies clashing and smashing against each other with you know superman's heat vision going against sort of this they give they sort of visualize manchester black's powers with this sort of like green and black energy, you know, that shoots out of his eyes and that he, that he sort of sometimes can even shoot out. Like it's almost like it's a, a laser beam itself or something like that. So the way a lot of those, those different types of energy, the, the big power up moments, uh, I think, I think that's all quite fun. And definitely I felt was pretty uh, reminiscent of, uh, of, of sort of a fight scene you would see in some of those more popular uh, Eastern animation uh, uh, projects as well. So I definitely felt like that influence was there. The designs themselves, I think, yeah, I think maybe that plays into the story a little bit of you have this sort of big, broad, you know, almost, I wouldn't necessarily, I don't think goofy is the right word I would use, but this very, you know, uh, you know, uh, like you said, just this big, wide, big chin, grinning Superman uh contrasted against these like you know the demonic girl with the devil wings and the punk rock dude and all of the and you know this big hulking you know guy who's uh you know is like blind in one eye and 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 all of that and the the cool like hipstery dude with that <laughs> with the hat so i think it almost does help to have sort of a more uh broad over the top superman design to i think it better contrasts him with the uh again not not that there's like a, a realism attempted with any of the characters in this it's very like I said, it's very colorful and and over the top and in, in all of the character designs but i definitely think they're they're being sort of people in you know these these sort of very edgy edgy outfits whereas superman's still of this big beefcake and in uh, in red and blue tights and with a big red cape i think it i think that contrast works works really well as as well and then of course, we'd be we'd remiss, be remiss not to talk a bit more in length, I guess, about that. The final fight scene, first the uh, the beating that Superman takes from the uh, you know from the elite, as mentioned, we we get a lot of blood as, as he kind of does the same thing we see him do earlier in the movie, where he's messing with his you know his capillaries and and bursting blood vessels in his face to make his eyes bleed and 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 all of that, and then you know we get this giant explosion of energy, and then once once we see once Superman, you know, goes, you know, goes bad, quote unquote, where we just, and we'll certainly talk about that in voice acting in a couple minutes here, but where we just kind of see little glimpses or we see him creating a tornado and, and we just see like a, a figure with red eyes, again, very demonic in that moment, sort of just this force of nature coming towards uh, the hat and, and all of that. And I think it's fun. And then we get this, this, this deranged sort of over the top look in his eyes where he has this, this eye that's gone completely red from blood. Uh, and uh, as he's just sort of giving this, this dramatic and over the top, uh, you know, quite frankly, villainous monologue to, uh, to Manchester black in the final sequence, I think is, is really, uh, is really quite uh, striking and adds to 
what we've already talked about in the plot of this feeling of just complete dread and, and uncomfortable uh, uncomfortability that you feel when uh, when it seems like maybe Superman has crossed the line in that moment. So like I said, all things considered, I think it did take a little while to uh, to settle into. But uh, overall, I really enjoy the visuals and I thought the, the animation itself, especially in all of the action sequences, this is a very action heavy movie. Uh, I thought uh, I, I had to give this a pretty strong eight out of 10 for my visual score. Nice. Yeah, I gave it the same exact score. Um, just hitting on some of the, the highlights, um, I'll say kind of starting from the beginning, uh, they did use CGI um, in some of the some of the sequences based on how the, the camera work went through. And I, they did do the cell shading on top of it. Obviously, this is what, 10, almost a decade after the Justice League Unlimited uh, somewhat debacle of (laughs) things that I would call it of using uh, those those CGI ships and and planes and cars and vehicles. And, uh, you know, it seems that uh, the the more modern way of doing things is to sell sell shade on top of it. And there are a couple sequences where you can you can certainly tell that it's CGI, but uh, especially in, I think in the first scene with Superman versus the atomic skull, but uh, it's, it's camouflaged well enough where, and things move, move smoothly enough where um, it doesn't, it doesn't stand out as being, uh, you know, an eyesore. So uh, kudos to them on that. Uh, I will say also that uh, one of the things is, that we talked about, of course, in the plot is the, the idea that they really wanted to get across that Superman was just such an inherently good character. And uh, one of the things that I picked up on that they did is in this uh, in the the discovery as as Manchester Black is is telling Superman he his backstory, he actually goes through his brain and allows him to see the the vision that he, he creates a vision for Superman to to see of his backstory. And uh, in the 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 telling of the story of his sister nearly getting hit by the train, uh, she falls off a platform as she's being chased by two police officers in front of the oncoming train, and they they made sure to animate Superman almost reaching out. He, he like reaches Mm -hmm. out and lurches towards her as if he could save her, which I was just like, that is so subtle, but so effective in communicating Mm -hmm. that this man is so inherently good that he can't help himself, but try and save this child in a vision. (laughs) Yeah. Like how, what a, what a really fun little tiny way of storytelling and and really hammering home the idea like you can say it as much as you want to you can have him you know be corny or or say the lines or whatever or and show him you know trying to protect people or you know not killing the bad guys but that's just something that's so subtle that to me drove the idea home that he's so good he's trying to save a mirage in this in this vision that this character is showing him so so cool i loved that so there is there's some stuff by the way i encourage you not only if you're going to watch this but to make sure you go back and read the issues we've already suggested but there are some panels that they directly did lift visuals from the one scene where superman's flying uh flying around he's kind of eavesdropping and he sees the group of kids that are playing and uh, the one group of kids are sort of bullying. The one group of kids dressed like the elite are bullying the kid dressed like Superman, making him be Superman because he's like the smaller, weaker kid. Um, that panel is directly lifted from the comic. I I appreciated that. And um, so I, 
you, you know, go back in and 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 kind of do the compare and contrast for sure to 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 look at those. But uh, yeah, a lot of murder, a lot of murder in this this movie. <laughs> uh, not only atomic skull, of course, kind of evaporating people. I like the way that they visualize that. They turn gray and sort of just sort of dissipate almost into sand. Um, you know, based on his nuclear energy, he's a cool looking character. Also a very different look than what we saw him in, in, uh, in justice league unlimited, you know, that one he's day glow green, um, you know, here he's Mm -hmm. got like a purple hue and his skull itself is sort of floating in his head. And, um, you know, so it's, it's obvious the same character, but definitely a different color palette used. So I, I appreciated that. And he actually kind of goes through this metamorphosis through the entire movie as he sort of, he, he mentions kind of an offhand uh, quote at the beginning of the, of the movie that the atomic bomb that went off creating him continues to go off inside of him. So it's still, there's still a reaction that's occurring. So it kind of creates, he begins, you know, getting larger as the, as the movie goes on. Um, the, the killing of atomic skull was interesting too, because there's slow motion that's used in that sequence mm-hmm. and that his head, his skull bursting into like a hundred pieces. Uh, it's just not a visual that I will forget anytime soon. Um, and uh, I think just some of the set pieces also that they chose. I already mentioned Smallville. Um, I love Lois and Clark's apartment. It just feels cozy and small mm-hmm. and, um, you know, feels like a little home for them. Uh, and, yeah, speak, uh, speaking of uh, visual things with Lois and Clark, like they're very like like physically affectionate with each mm-hmm. other in like a way that feels like, you know, a couple that's been together for a long time are like it's very effortless. And and, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that more in voice acting. But there's just little ways, even in that last scene before the final fight where they're at the apartment and they're watching TV, the way he just kind of, you know, tries to put his arm around her and comfort her and 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 all of that. Like there's some some really nice sort of simple little flourishes and individuals that I think help again, help inform that story and make you feel like they, they truly care for each other. Uh, Absolutely. And um, I think the other set piece that I I really appreciated, they, they do visit the fortress of solitude a couple of times, but there's a scene that uh, where the, the elite show up in the fortress and Superman is sitting on this giant ice throne, uh, which just a really cool visual. And he's sitting there kind of monitoring things and, um, you know, they have this whole this whole talk back and forth and he's talking to Lois and it's it's a really great set piece, just some great painted backgrounds, you know, by the by the visual artists there. And the last bit, uh, other than the final battle, I think there's there's plenty that could be talked about in there. It's definitely brutal. And I like the set piece of taking place on the moon, which, of course, also was taken from the comic. But uh, I think the the disarming of the the planes that Superman does, that whole sequence is so fun. Because you just see mm-hmm. these fighter jets that are on their way to attack this other country. And then all of a sudden, pieces start coming off of the planes. Pieces start coming out of it. You're not quite sure. You start to see this red-blue blur come in and out of the scene. Then you start to see you know, planes dropping. And then you really see, of course, uh, heat vision come out and, and, and disarm some of the missiles. And then you start to see Superman come in and take out some of the pilots. And they're, eventually they land on just sort of the sequence that's on the, on the ground. And you start seeing planes drop into frame and then pi- a pilot drop. And then Superman swoops down and then he swoops out of frame 
frame and then another piece of the plane drops and there are people just kind of standing there reacting. It's a, it's a really fun sequence and uh, we'll talk about it in a second, but I thought the music accompanying it was, uh, was, was great also, but yeah, eight out of 10 from both of us. I think that's uh that's pretty strong for maybe not uh, what we would point to is maybe our favorite animation look of all time, but I think mm-hmm. there's there's a lot to appreciate uh, for for how this thing comes together in the different sequences. Absolutely. And uh, as you mentioned, Cal, we will move on from there to our music section. Uh, we have a uh, Robert J. Kral on as the uh, the composer for this week's uh, movie. Uh, done done a lot of the other uh, direct-to-video uh, DC movies as well as other uh, TV and film here. Uh, what stood out to you about the score? We definitely have like a a uh, a a Superman theme, a heroic theme that plays throughout the movie that I that I enjoyed. Though I want to say something that I wish they maybe I don't know how this would have worked. Maybe it would have clashed with the uh, pun intended with the uh, with the main score. But our our title sequence for this film mm-hmm. has this like uh, this kind of like Ramones the Clash knockoff. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you know, uh, you know, rancid type thing, real fast drums, real punk rock, uh, you know, 70, 70s punk rock feel to it. And yeah. I was kind of hoping that would come back as like <laughs> uh, the elite theme throughout it, but we don't get that. But definitely, uh, definitely, I think some some highlights to talk about when it comes to music this week. What stood out for you? Yeah, I, I, the first thing I had was actually the opening sequence, which was so vastly different from the rest of the music. It is, it definitely has more of that. Uh, you know, maybe it was an homage to the the British punk rock music scene since we have Manchester Black as our, our leader mm-hmm. of the elite. Uh, I like that it was paired. We didn't talk about it in visuals, but there's also uh, animation from the Super Friends, from Superman, the animated series, from the Fleischer mm-hmm. cartoons. I imagine one of those other sort of offshoot Superman cartoons mm-hmm. also that came after Super Friends. Yeah. But- the visuals some that panels from the uh, from from the from the looks like from the the forties and fifties as well. Yeah, it was. I I that opening sequence was was incredible. I loved it. It was really really, mm-hmm. really really cool to watch, and certainly the music accompanying it made it stand out. But yeah, I think I think uh, not to say run of the mill, but I think it's standard fare for a lot of the film for uh, for the music. What you would expect for a score for a a a feature length movie. Um, you know, a lot of strings, a lot of professional sounding orchestral music uh, throughout. We do get a Superman theme that I did see was mentioned. Uh, we have not covered it here on the program, but it's the same theme that was used for the first direct-to-video DC project, which was the Superman Doomsday movie, not the not the the one that came out later on that was a part of the DC animated movie universe, the the Tuckerverse one, but it's the it's the very first one that sort of somewhat looks like uh, a Bruce Tim designed uh, animation studio did it. So uh, yeah, we, we I like the Superman theme. I think it's uh, I think it's definitely different than maybe what we're used to with Shirley Walker, John Williams Superman theme. It's not those ones that stand out. And when you have two mammoth mammoth memorable like heart string pulling themes like those two are for us and mm-hmm. so many other people it's it's hard to measure up with just uh another suit you're like oh yeah this is the superman theme you're like okay I, I it works like it works for it but it's you know it's it's like following the beatles or following elvis or something <laughs> like that you know it's like how do you do that like how do you how do you follow up some of the greatest right 
compositions of all time with something that's unique and that sort of still conveys the heroic nature of the of the man of steel it's it's a good it's a good theme i think it plays well into this we hear it throughout we certainly hear it played sort of in a more menacing minor key in the uh in the way that uh, when superman seems to be embracing the idea of being evil and using his powers to to kill the elite uh so i did like that but uh, I think the only other thing, and we never know where to insert this, whether it's music or voice acting or, you know, we don't really have a spot for it. But I, I will say that I the sound design for that biomechanical creature in that that first mm-hmm. scene, I don't know if you caught it, but it sounded to me like they took the man bat sound from Batman. There was definitely there was definitely some man bat uh venus flytrap sound in there absolutely that was my other thing it was like man bat venus flytrap and maybe a little chewbacca in there you had that all kind of (laughs) mixed in there together but it made the sound the first time and i was like man that sounds like man bat did i hear that wrong and then two seconds later happened again i was like no it's definitely man bat but as far as the music is concerned um i think it fits fits the movie well uh, it is certainly feature-length film quality, uh, and the uh, the Superman theme I think played heroically not only in that uh, fighter jet scene, but then at the end as as Lois and and Superman are flying away, uh, really put a bow on things. So I gave it a, a pretty strong seven out of ten, and I gave it the exact same score once again, a seven out of ten from myself as well. Uh, yeah, I don't have. Too much else to add in that uh, in that department. I think I think we covered it pretty pretty well there. Definitely the standouts being the the Superman theme and 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 uh, and the uh, that opening sequence as well. Definitely stood out to me as well. But uh, uh, a great outing from uh, from Mister Crawl, and uh, that will bring us Cal to our final category for this week. That being voice acting. Now I'm going to preface this. We've been talking for a while. There are about <laughs> a million voice actors in this film. And I want, and some I will shout out. So basically, I'm going to read these very uh, robotically. Usually, like we say a name and then we talk about them and then we move on. Yep. I'm just going to read the credits here. I think that's fair. And and then you know we'll we'll kind of focus in on our I think our three main actors that we'll really talk about. And then if we have any thoughts on the supporting cast, we can we can mention it very quickly. But. So I will say uh, we have a uh, Troy Evans as one of as sort of the blowhard uh, cable news. Thought he was pretty funny. We have Andrew Cascino as the hat. We had Fred Tataskiori as uh, Perry White. We have a uh, Gray Griffin as uh, the young Manchester Black in her flashback. We have, of course, uh, DCAU legend Tara Strong as the uh, the young Vera in her flashback. We have a uh, Paul Eiding or Eden as Pa Kent. We have uh, another familiar uh, name, uh, Melissa Disney as Menagerie. Uh, we have Jennifer Hale playing the uh, the kid who doesn't want to be Superman, <laughs> which is a funny little bit I don't think we mentioned, but uh, but yeah, that's, that's a good bit. Uh, we do, uh, the, the other DCAU veteran in this piece, we do briefly hear uh, one David Kaufman uh, <laughs> reprising his role for Superman the Animated Series as Jimmy Olsen. Uh, we have a uh, Katero Colbert or Colbert. It would be Colbert if it's the the guy who's on TV. I think it's Colbert. Most other places, mm-hmm. as uh, as Coldcast, we have a uh, D Bradley Baker as Atomic Skull, and then we have sort of our our three main event players here. 
We have uh, Polly Perrette as Lois Lane. Folks would probably know her best as the uh, the the goth girl on NCIS. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a uh, Robin Atkin Downs, veteran voice actor, uh, uh, tons and tons of roles, including some other DCAU roles, uh, minor and major, uh, as uh, as Manchester Black. It's Robin Atkin Downs there, and then of course voicing himself, uh, one of our. You know, one of the two faves of of this podcast, George Newbern, uh, returning here as Superman, and so uh, obviously this isn't this isn't the the regular DCAU Superman. This isn't the Justice League Superman per se, but coming from what everything we've talked about about having you know this sort of larger philosophical discussion of of Superman and who he should be and how he should act. Uh, I think going back to an older Superman that people are familiar with mm-hmm. helps because you don't have to, uh, you know, you're not, you don't have to kind of pretend like you need to, not that anyone needs introduction on who Superman is really. Right. If you're older than three years old, you probably get the gist of it pretty quickly. But I think having a Superman, even though it's not necessarily literally the DCAU Superman, it feels like George Newbern Superman maybe and then and so we we feel like it's a so we have this familiar face we know sort of what his Superman is who it represent who he his Superman represents and then you know we clash him with most with all of the elite but really but mostly with Mr. Downs as uh, as Manchester Black there so uh, I think casting a a former Superman voice in this role kind of I think helps you get up to speed very quickly on on a super on, a, on an experienced Superman who's kind of done it all and seen it all and is maybe feeling a little bit world weary, a little bit beaten down by it all. I think it helps to go back to an older voice. And obviously we're biased anyway, because he's, you know, he's one of our supermen. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I think even within his performance, it's certainly not the Justice League performance. It is a lighter, mm-hmm. is a lighter, happier, um, you know, I, I, I think version of Superman, like it's just, it's a different way of, he does something with his performance that makes it sound a little bit different uh, than the standard justice league or justice league unlimited fair. I think, which, which speaks to his ability to still play the same character, play a familiar role, but also make it unique and set apart from what that Superman is, who that Superman is. Um, Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I think un, unsurprisingly, I I loved his performance. I loved the nuance of it being uh, a a lighter, happier, bubblier, more innocent, more you know, even as he's struggling through his his idea of if 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 he's lost his place in society or if he's lost his worth or if people don't value him or see. Um, you know, are are changing so much that they're not going to uh, agree with his way of seeing things anymore. It, he's still he's still vulnerable. He's still very kind. Like all of that comes through in the way that he uh, maybe didn't get as many opportunities to convey in his performance in Justice League or Justice League Unlimited, where he did have lighter moments and he did, he was obviously lighter than Batman, but so much of that Cadmus story arc, as we talked about is, 
you know, is is a little bit darker for him that he had to be the serious leader of the Justice League for for a lot of that. So some of that that uh, those those poppier blue sky and, uh, you know, single bound leaping building mm-hmm. Superman is, is kind of lost in the in that. So I like that it's nuanced. I like that it's different. And I, I think it's 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 uh, it's a home run. Yeah, totally agree there. Not surprisingly, but to your point, this isn't this isn't a carbon copy of uh, of the JLU Superman by any means. He he does have a little bit almost uh, you know naivete to him that you know that is there, and I think that really helps inform the story. Is especially by the end, as as we've said, when he's you know kind of unleashing or seeming to be unleashing on these on these folks. I think that really. Uh, really adds to it and then yeah not uh like we said we've uh, we got a giant cast here but really i think the other two names to uh, to touch on we have doing most of the talking for the elite as mentioned is uh robin atkin downs as manchester black uh you settle into it for a while i think i was in my head this was uh this was John Constantine's uh, 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 Matt Ryan. The uh-huh. in my head, it was, it was his voice. So it took me a second. That's my own like uh, you know Mandela effect. That's not the fault of uh, Mr. Downs, yeah. who's obviously done a ton of uh, voice acting work to his credit. But I think you really settle into it, and he's a good. He's just got a good uh, you know veneer of uh, of of uh, just a little. just just real slick and slimy and a good a good foil for perhaps a more a more earnest superman that we see in this movie yeah i agree and uh i i think maybe i i don't know if his tr- i know he's from london or was born in london so i i don't know if his true accent is as much of the the cockney british accent that he sort of takes on for the role but uh it's feels very natural he he hits the uh it's a good day in it you know, without without a hint, <laughs> hint of irony a lot. Obviously, that's become more of a of a meme nowadays when when uh, mocking the British accent. But uh, it's it's it sounds very natural. I thought he was fantastic. He's a perfect foil. He does sort of start off in a in a little bit lighter tone and then gets darker as the entire movie progresses to the point where at the end. Uh, where he's, you know, sort of prepared to murder Superman uh, and and mm-hmm. relishing it at that. It's uh, it's it's uh, it's certainly a, a vast difference from the way that he started the film out. So, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, unsurprisingly that this guy has roles in in other other major films and other cartoons and other um in other uh you know different mediums so uh he's very talented uh he he comes across as a as a menacing adversary to the to the man of steel and uh a a a natural foil at that so yeah i i thought his performance was outstanding yeah absolutely and and to to we you know we talked about george newburn having to flip that switch in the final scene when he's you know, when he's going, uh, you know, when he's putting on the 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 evil Superman act. And then on the other hand, you have uh, Mr. Downs kind of having like, I mean, in the in the visuals, we see he has tears in his eyes, which, again, is kind of ripped right from the comic where he's where he's sort of pleading with Superman being like, you, you're not supposed to do this. Like, you're not supposed to come down to my level. And he, you know, he sort of begins to pat, you know, he's angry, he's upset, and then he's terrified kind of all within you know, a couple of minutes of, uh, of screen time. So yeah, great job by Mr. Downs. And uh, I like, uh, I like Miss Perrette as, uh, as Lois Lane. Like she doesn't get a ton to do, but she gets 
little bit as mentioned sort of a side uh, a side quest in this where she's she's doing a little bit of the investigating herself and and uh yeah her like we said her her playing off of george newburn and and their as we talked about their uh their very loving relationship i think uh i think uh, i think she works for for a lois lane in the story as well so for uh, for all those reasons i i ended up giving voice acting a, a very strong nine out of ten yeah, I went. Uh, I just went one point higher. I actually went with a perfect ten out of ten. Um, I, I think the only nice. the only voice that we really missed was uh, a, a gentleman by the name of Bruce Tim played one of the M five <laughs> agents. So, uh, yeah, an an unknown actor there uh, getting mm-hmm. uh, getting his due. Uh, <laughs> part of me wishes that they had cast Dana Delaney just for posterity as as Lois mm-hmm. Lane, but. I thought Miss uh, Perrette did a did a did a solid job, and at the end, it it even felt very natural, as as you mentioned a couple of times. I thought her and Mister Newburn had had quite the chemistry between them for uh, for their performances, and and really made that relationship feel believable between the uh, the two the two characters. And you know, we don't we don't always get to see, especially in the DCAU, we don't really get to see that that loving uh relational aspect between not only superman and lois but clark and lois also so that was refreshing also and it was uh it was the performances i think really made that feel like an authentic loving uh relationship so uh yeah great job all the way around there by uh by our voice cast absolutely so at that point cal that will begin to uh to move us to our final scores for this week and uh, tallying everything up, I appear to have arrived at a final score of 31 out of 40 for this week. <laughs> and despite our differences of scores, I, I guess we d- disagreed in uh, in two different categories, but uh, in both of them, we kind of flip flopped on giving a point higher than the other. So uh, I also ended up with the same exact score of 31 out of 40. <laughs> Well, how about that? As we, as we often say, even uh, even when we don't agree in the individual category, somehow uh, somehow life finds a way and we end up with the same <laughs> final score here. Um, obviously, this is a movie, so we don't really talk about rewatchability in the traditional way we would with an individual episode. Mm-hmm. This has no, no sequels or uh, or or uh, prequels to it to its name as of now. I would just say. I think if you love if you love Superman the animated series if you love Justice League Unlimited if you just love Superman, um, I think this is this is a good uh, this is a good uh, exploration of that character and as we kind of touched on kind of a good companion piece to the to the Cadmus uh, JLU arc as far as you know the Superman going through a a dark night of the soul sort of thing and and sort of really examining what his role should and and shouldn't be in some cases uh in a in a more modern world so i you know i i definitely give this a thumbs up if you're uh this this would be one that i don't i think i had only seen this once before um but uh i i definitely be more inclined to go back to it now yeah I'd, i'd say it's uh it's a recommendation for me as well well that will begin to wrap us up this week Cal, thank you everybody for listening. This was a little bit of a longer one, but like you said, this was this is uh, kind of one of our big celebrations of Superman here on his 85th birthday uh, year. And uh, certainly we will be covering more Superman later in the year here, but wanted to give him a, a special spotlight on our Elseworlds uh, event. So thank you everybody for listening, whether you do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, 
or of course, as mentioned earlier on the Pod Tower YouTube channel. Uh, we do appreciate that. A, a good free way to support us is to just subscribe on whatever platform you do happen to listen to us on. And if that platform allows you to leave us a review or uh, give us a, give us five stars, gives us a thumbs up or whatever, uh, we would, uh, we would appreciate you taking the time to do that. That does help bump up our show in the, the all important search algorithms. Uh, if you'd like to support the show more directly in a financial sense, uh, there are a couple of links in the description of this episode, wherever you're listening to it, that can uh, take you there, either a, a direct little donate button where you can buy us a coffee, or of course you can head to our store at dcaureview.com and always pick yourself up a hat or a shirt or something. We appreciate those that, uh, that take the time to support us financially. We, uh, we, we always appreciate them and, and everybody who listens, you know, listening alone is a great way to support our show. So we thank everybody for listening and uh, Cal, as we look to, uh, to turning the calendar page to a new month next week, I think it's time once again, to look to the future, the future, Liam, That's right, all the way to the year that's 50 years from now, whenever now is, it's another Batman Beyond slash the Zeta Project month coming up uh, on the horizon for the month of May. But thankfully, we'll be kicking it off with a Batman Beyond review next week, and I can't wait for that. But until then, I'm Liam. And I'm Cal. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the DCAU Review. Adios.